I feel like my light is gone. I feel like I've lost my truth. I was screaming out for such a long time and yet no one is believing me. No one is helping. They say that they're helping, but they're not. It's like I don't deserve love. It's like I don't deserve people to love me. I don't deserve to have good people around me. All I ever wanted was to feel that I was wanted. God damn, Emily, you brought up so much for me today. <laughs> These are things that I don't like addressing, that like I knew was there, but I didn't want to bring it up because then again, it's like it becomes too much, it becomes overwhelming. I'm feeling better than I have in a very, very long time. I'm reading what I wrote again about my truth and it just feels so right. And I feel like it's giving me direction. I'm Emily Eldridge and this is Dark Light Truth, where we dive into people's darkness, reclaim their light and reveal their truth. What you are about to hear is a real person going through an actual session of the drawing out process, my seven step emotional healing technique in which we draw out, talk with, and fully heal an inner part or parts at the core of a person's struggle. Every session is filled with surprises, epiphanies, twists, and turns. We never know what we will encounter, nor who. Inner critics, crying children, angry walls, gruesome monsters, it all depends on the world that formed within the person in reaction to their life experiences, as well as what their inner wisdom deems is ready to heal once and for all. Join us as we solve inner mysteries, heal inner struggles, discover incredible wisdom, and guide this person back to the wisdom, light, and truth within them so that they can fully live that truth, light up and light up our world. Listen closely because you never know, hearing them heal and light up just might help you heal and light up too. Join me now for my session with a powerful Australian woman named Caitlin. What you will hear is an edited version of her full four and a half hour session, which she volunteered to record for this podcast. The struggle that's brought her here today has to do with a recent employment situation in which her boss was a very toxic figure. Ultimately, we discover that what's been triggered is actually a pattern in her life that stems from some very deep, intense trauma in her childhood. The beauty of this session is that in the beginning, she says that she just doesn't know what her truth is anymore, but by the end, she discovers what it truly is. Doing your video this morning, like listening to your, your video and your talk this morning for your um, 45 minute course, and I'm like, oh, holy shit. Actually, that's what I'm tired of. It's the fact that like, I feel like my light is gone. I feel like my I've lost my truth. And the fact that I'm like, I'm not living that because of this situation is taking up so much of my life. And it has been for such a long time. I'm like, 
okay, that's what I'm tired of. Is this like not being or feeling myself and not having mm. that next pathway because I've lost that and that's what I'm tired of. Like I placed my trust in someone who uh-huh. I, I completely and utterly trusted. So then that has just, like, impacted my perceptions of people because I always try and look for the good in people and I did and then that was hurt. Yeah, that's, I think that's what's what's challenging. And again, it's like rebuilding my faith and trust in myself. It's trying to find my truth again, work out what that is. I always wanted to enter politics. I always yeah. knew that that was the end goal because then that was how I was able to impact the most amount of people. Well, and it's like, well, actually, no, that's not what I want to do. But I don't know what I want to do. Yeah. So why don't we sit with whatever emotions are coming up and if it means having to, like, tune into your body. Yeah, I, there? I've, so I'm just getting this image, like this, these two images right now of, of my, of my throat. So around my voice, I'm, I'm picture, I'm seeing these like hands that are purely around like my vocal cords that are constricting that. But then at the same time, I'm seeing another picture. I'm seeing another set of hands that are, are, are literally choking me right now. And that's where I'm feeling the pressure that is them sort of pressuring my my shoulders and kind of weighing me down whilst whilst constricting my throat and actually like I'm I'm now like my body just instantly went and did that same movement so I can sort of see it so it's like like I've, I've known that my pain is that sort of around that chesty sort of throat area but I didn't I've never actually visualized it like that is it the kind of thing where you feel like you could you could go ahead and draw that? Yeah, like I can I can draw see? that. Yeah, yep. let's just see where we go with this. This is wow, it sounds really intense. Nice. What you got there? Um so yeah, I've got it's it is my throat it is the worst drawing ever. Um, That's it's, okay. <laughs> it's, it's it's my throat. I I put the center of like the pain as like this like this oval sort of shape and then I have um the like the smaller hands that are wrapped around the, the object in the center of my throat and then I've got these like um squiggly lines I don't know what they represent but like squiggly lines that are coming like out like up the top of it then I have my actual like my physical throat um with larger hands wrapped around it um and then I've got the radiating sort of like pain that is like shooting down then into the rest of my body. And then again, I've got the squiggly lines that are on the outside of it. So not in my body, but on the outside and that's in red and it's going, going up. So yeah, that's what I drew. And whose hands are they? I feel like there's potentially multiple, multiple hands, multiple peoples. I know I'm getting a sense that the internal one is definitely mine but I feel like it's not just mine. I feel like now I'm actually getting a feeling and I'm just going to draw it. I, yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. Now, there's now like a second set of hands that are actually on top of the, of mine. So I feel like mine is definitely um, the ones that is controlling that, that constricting of, of my vocal cords. But then there's someone else's hands that are placed on top of it that is just mm. holding it down. Um, and then on the external ones, there it's, again, I'm picturing like two people. Like I definitely like, like the, the person who stole 
my power. It's definitely his hands. Like even the color that I chose, it's like very similar to his skin tone. Like it's, it's definitely his hands, but I also feel like there is, I feel like I'm, I'm now just drawing jigsaw puzzles around it that, that are, that are around his hands. Like, I don't know why, but maybe cause like he's, it's not just him oh. that there are, that there are like other, there are other bits to, to this. And I don't, I don't know if it's whether it's the company or where I'm working with right now, or if it's external factors or if it's, it's not, that is the main course, but there are other things behind that, that is making me feel like I'm being physically strangled. What are the emotions that come up for you? What are the beliefs, the thoughts? Just what's, are you hearing anything? Just curious. I'm just getting a sense that my, my voice is my strength. Mm. Um, uh-huh. It's that it's, that's the sense of my ability to connect with people. It's my ability to express my sense of my sense of truth and activism because I've always wanted to share that with the world and what I'm picturing right now is just sadness and like I'm almost on like the verge of tears because I I, I can see that that's just it's just been locked away and like I can't and I can't use it and that's just that's actually like a, a, a huge lot of pain for me I didn't have a voice when I was growing up because it was it was ta- it was physically taken from me, and now sort of what I'm feeling is that my situation when I was younger, going through physical violence and trauma, and being a kid and not having my voice and not and when I'm screaming out for help, and no one would listen to me or they wouldn't believe me, I'm just getting pictures now that this is very it's it's similar but it's different i'm not in physical harm but it's that same sense of loss it's that same sense of i'm screaming out i was screaming out for such a long time for help and i was trying to get people to hear me to hear that there is a problem with this person to hear that i am struggling and that i am losing myself just as i did when i was younger and yet no one is believing me. No one is helping. They say that they're helping, but they're not. In a different way, this is history repeating itself. It's like I always go through waves of not having a voice and then having it and then losing it again. And that, and maybe that's why I'm feeling like there is multiple hands, like three different layers of hands that is going on right now. So what we're learning about Caitlin so far is that she's a very powerful advocate who uses her voice to help other people. However, this recent employment situation she was in has really undermined her confidence in herself, her faith in her own truth, and that she's been screaming out about these abuses, but no one's really listening. And that this is a very familiar feeling for her, that this is something she felt as a child when she was abused and she tried to get people to know that she was being abused, but no one really listened to her. So it's interesting how this current day situation has triggered those feelings from the past. 
she ends up describing it as feeling like a straitjacket around her. So you'll hear in the next section that I actually ask her about that. When was the first time she felt that straitjacket? Because I want to know what's the origin, what's the root cause. We're trying to get to the root of her struggle. Hear how she lays out, though, a timeline of her life when this straitjacket feeling has shown up several times before. As you listen to her timeline of this straitjacket that she's experienced throughout her life, you might consider the timelines in your own life when you felt and seen and noticed certain patterns of feeling and behavior and triggers and experiences that have happened throughout your life and the possibility that maybe those keep recurring because of some childhood trauma that you carry. When was the first time you remember feeling this way, like feeling constricted, feeling straitjacket? The first thing that popped into my mind was all my life. But then I got this image of, well, it's different types of straitjackets. It's not the same one. Okay. It's kind of like what I'm picturing. It's like I've got a timeline of my life. Uh-huh. And I'm picturing it in three chunks. It's like the okay. first straight jacket I'm seeing is definitely the one when I was a kid. And I've got the second one, which is when I was a teenager. Uh huh. And I had the one in, for some reason, in my early 20s. Uh huh. But now I'm actually thinking, now I'm drawing the timeline, and that this is actually the fourth. When I was a kid, I know that was because of trauma. And that, that straight jacket came off when I was 12. Okay. Then there's a break. And then I've got the next one was around 15. Mm-hmm. And that came off when I feel like I found my purpose at 18. No, 19. Mm-hmm. And for some, I'm 21 is the next one. To about 24. And then there's this one now. And why and when? Like, what are the typical circumstances that these straitjackets show up, that you feel them around you? Are there, is there a pattern you see or themes? I see, like, 15, 15 to 19, that was when, like, I'm picturing basketball but I loved basketball but I know at that time I wasn't I wasn't doing anything that actually was at my core so that ah. so that's that straight jackets because I wasn't in alignment basketball helped me get through a lot of stuff because that was when I was trying to deal with my mental health that was when I was going through like a lot of change and I was also causing so much I, I was the cause of drama that's what I'm picturing oh. I'm like drama, I like pain because then it, I'm picturing, I'm getting all these words. I'm like, well, actually, no, you weren't in alignment, but you liked the drama. You, you helped cause some of it. You you reveled in it. People came to you because of it. So then you lived in it. I had a full-on reset at 19. And that's when I, again, like I found activism. That's when I started, I felt like I was in alignment. And then at 21, I was doing it for the right reasons, but I'm picturing 
awards and accolations and, and comfortableness with that, but also the need to continue to want them, to seek them out. Ah. Oh. And two words that come up in my mind for that, that period of that straitjacket is validation as well as retreat. I feel like every time like I, I, I won an award or like I received accolations or people were coming to me, I also at the same time I felt like I needed to retreat from the world, that I needed to, to run or that I needed to retreat from myself. Oh. Or, and now I'm getting actually, well, it's not just that, it's retreating from taking care of myself. That's when I retreated from friendships. I retreated from family. I retreated from, from mental and physical care. So what we're hearing here is a pattern of this straitjacket and that she felt that straitjacket originally when she wasn't in alignment, when she wasn't living her truth. But then we also hear that even when she was living her truth, she was suffering, she was struggling, she was self-isolating. So why is there this imbalance? Why is it that she can put herself out there so completely for other people, be an advocate for them, try to take care of their needs, and yet not receive it for herself? What what is this about? So Caitlin and I proceed to dive into why is it so hard for her to receive the support that she needs? And she talks a lot about the fact that she feels selfish, she feels like she's too much, that, that she would be too much of a burden if she were to share her feelings, and also that she's afraid of being abandoned, that people will leave her because it has happened before. She shares a number of memories, but there's one particular one that I wanted to include here because she mentions it later on. I just wrote down, I don't deserve people. Mm. Where'd that come from? don't know. But I just feel really sad and really empty. It's like I don't deserve love. It's like I don't deserve people to love me. I don't deserve to have good people around me. When was the first time you remember feeling that way, if you can recall? I remember a memory and my mom has explained it so many times and rationally I get it, but I still, I remember, I can't remember how old I was. I must've been really, really, really little because my brother was a baby. Um, so I must've been like two or three. And I remember my mom getting into a taxi with my brother and she had to go to Perth and I was a toddler and I was staying with my dad. And I remember, Going, running to the door, opening it up, screaming for, for mum not to leave me behind. And I begged her not to leave me behind. And I, that's just been, it's like, it's kind of like a core, like I can't remember exactly like all of it, but like I remember it's like a core memory and that's I'm crying right now. And I've brought that up with her so many times and she's like, well, I had to leave you because... I had to go to family and cut and I was breastfeeding your brother and I couldn't leave him behind. And then I was like, but you left me behind. And that still, that still hurts. So it's kind of, that's just been like a thing my whole life. 
I just want to point out here that Caitlin does what so many of us do, and that is we can see childhood experiences from an adult perspective and think, well, I understand why that happened and sort of wonder why it impacted us so much. However, what we experienced as a child can be so intense and we can make such huge meanings because we don't know the full story. So just because the adult part of us understands rationally why something happened, it's still nevertheless extremely important and absolutely vital that we honor the child's feelings and the child's perspectives that formed in that moment in time. Because that's where the wounds are, that's where those core underlying beliefs are, and therefore that's where the healing is. So since she mentioned this memory from childhood, I figure, well, you know, to that end, let's talk to that little girl. Let's see if the little girl is the one with whom we need to work to heal this core wound that's been causing this recurring pattern of struggle in her life. So I ask her a few questions about her childhood, and here's what comes up. I am just picturing now I am back in my old bedroom um, in my old house when I was when I was a kid and my room how it was placed was you had you had the door and then behind it you had my wardrobe so I would push my body up against my door and against the wall so no one could come in and I remember just crying and I'm picturing her right now just put placing my back against the door and the wall and no one can come in and it's just me being being alone and just tears streaming down my face I feel like that's where I am right now and did you do that a lot a lot oh absolutely a lot Mm -hmm. when did that start Oh, I think when I was four or five years old, I would do that against my my parents because at a, at a time in my life, my uh, my my punishment punishment was a thing, and it, actually the type of punishment was probably not great. I mean, they would never do that now, but it was running away from that. It was then. When the people who abused me was in my house, was living with us, I would do that all the time. Um, I remember just like running. There's just so many times. Oh my god, so many times when I was younger, I would sprint to my room and I would try and people not to come in, and they were just there's there's there are a few people and I'm not so you can hear Caitlin stutter there because she's starting to get into specific memories involving specific people who were in her household when she was a child and she's scared to actually say who those people were because this is being recorded for a podcast so I reassure her that it's okay we don't have to keep this section in and why do I do that because the most important thing from my perspective is her healing. And in order for her to heal, she needs to feel safe being completely honest. So what happens is she ends up sharing very specific memories of absolutely horrific 
violence and abuse that she suffered as a child in her home. And not only that, some very violent suicidality that she witnessed as well. They would come and they would try and push in and they would try and hurt me. So it's, it, yeah, that's, I mean, that's why I'm, I, and I haven't, I haven't dealt with, with all of that. And like, yeah. Yeah. God damn, Emily, you brought up so much for me today. <laughs> yeah, what's going on? Uh, it's, what's going on? I just feel like it's these are things that I don't like addressing. That like I knew yeah. was there, but I didn't want to bring it up because then again, it's like it becomes too much. It becomes overwhelming. It's it's like it's it's okay for me to live with this pain because then again if I I feel like if I try and address it then I realize is how broken I am and I don't like that narrative it's like I I built up this persona of being strong I've built up this persona of fighting and never giving up and just charging ahead and not letting things get to me and it does, but I, I don't like sharing that with people and I don't like addressing it because then, again, it's like I don't have space for anything else because, like, I've got all this stuff that I, like, except, like, childhood stuff that I didn't realise was directly related to, like, certain core things that happened to me. But the way I dealt with it and the way I was able to deal with it and move on is by becoming an activist, is by mm-hmm. then trying to protect others. But it's like I've never truly dealt with it like I've never truly healed from it and I have tried I have tried so many different ways but nothing has ever worked and it's I feel like I'm always going to be stuck with this like I'm always going to be broken from this So we hear Caitlin say that activism became her way of trying to deal with the intense feelings and the traumas that she experienced growing up. I cannot tell you how many times I have heard this. I've worked with a lot of change makers, a lot of activists, a lot of impact driven people, and the intense desire to make life better for others often comes as a result of having experienced traumas themselves or seeing their loved ones or people around them traumatized and wanting to change that, wanting to make life better for themselves and for others. But as we also hear from Caitlin, what it ended up happening for her is that she put up a wall of strength and this activist persona that really is masking this incredible pain that she just hasn't figured out how to heal. At this point, Caitlin and I talk quite a bit about the fact that she's actually become very identified with her pain, that she can't imagine being without it. And so I try to normalize that for her, but listen to how she reacts to my affirmation because it ends up leading us to the actual part of her that we need to heal in order for her to finally reconnect with her truth. You just have this deep, deep desire for safe connection with others. But it's hard to know who to trust. And it's hard to feel safe when you carry so many wounds from having felt so unsafe around the very people with whom you're supposed to feel safe. Mm. But I just want you to know that it's okay. 
and you're not crazy and you're not alone. No, thank you. It's like I'm hearing that and I'm hearing you say that that it's okay and that it's normal and it's understandable and that it's not too much. But I still, like I'm hearing that and I want to accept it, but I feel like I can't. It's like I feel like I can't let that in. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what's the part of you, what's going on there that feels like it's resisting that? And this could be a different part of you. It could be the child, but it could be another part of you that's like, nope, don't let that in. Just curious if you're aware. I actually drew um, after like writing down like a deep desire for safe connection with others. Like I drew darkness and there's a lock that's not opened and then there's a line and then I drew a sun. Like I drew the sun first before the darkness. Like I drew the sun first and then I drew the barricade and then I drew the darkness. So I, I did it backwards. And so it's like, I know it's there. Like I know it's yes. there. I can, I can sort of see it and I can sort of feel it and I know it would be really good once that is all gone, like that wall is down or that door is gone or whatever, or I deal with all this stuff. Like I know my life will be better, but it's how it's it's how I deal with it, how I can get rid of that pain, how I can make sure that I have the tools to never let it come up again, and how I can just balance that whole sense of safety safety from the world but also safety from myself and safety from others it's just like yeah that's what's coming up for me right now I think I think that barricade when I'm looking at it it represents so much like I'm feeling like it represents so much it's not just like the barricade of letting go of that that trauma and that narrative, but it's like that barricade is stopping me from having like true authentic relationships. That barrier is stopping me yes. from accessing my truth that bar- and live, not just accessing it, but living it and following yes. it and f- following a career that allows me to then live that and use that for others. There, like there's so many different facets that, that this barricade, it's like, well, if I can bring that down, then what yes. possibilities are there? Yes. I know on the other side there is hope. I know on the other side there is love. I know on the other side there is truth and there is freedom. And I can, it's, that's, where, mm-hmm. that's where the lightness is. That's where the artwork is. That's where the vibrancy is. It's just on the other side. And I, it's like I want so badly to get there, but I can't cross it. It's actually asking me to draw it thicker. <laughs> um, okay. What's the barricade's name? It's con- it's concrete wall. So it seems that we finally reached the part of her that's at the core of the struggle that brought her here today and this pattern in her life of disconnecting from others and isolating herself. But before we can actually talk to that part, listen to what happens. It's fascinating how her body instantly reacts at the notion of allowing this part of her to speak. Is it okay if I have a conversation with concrete wall? Oh my God, I don't know how that's going to happen, but okay. (laughs) It's okay to let it speak. Emily, can I just just say, when you said that, can you talk to it? 
uh-huh. I, my hands and I haven't let go and it was just automatic. My hands are now around my neck and it's there and I'm not letting go and I'm trying to let go but I can't. It is literally they're crisscrossed around my neck. Okay, what's going on? What's going on there? I don't know. I, I don't know. I think it's you're trying to access something that I potentially that I just don't want accessed, but I need to. But it's like yeah. it's constricting. It's literally constricting me. And like my body has like physically reacted to that. Okay, let's honor that. Yeah, that's yeah. I'm, I'm hearing there's a lot of fear in opening that up and mm. letting that speak. Yeah. And fear of what could happen we allow that part to speak and fear of what's even on the other side of that yeah you're right it's this fear but I also feel like it's protection my hands are protection and the voice that's coming out I'm trying to constrain it it's like I'm trying to hold it in what are you afraid would happen if you were to allow this part of you to speak I, don't, I just don't know what it's going to bring up. Okay, my hands are gone from my neck. Um, it's, it's a fear of, well, if I live in whatever comes up and I deal with it, is my life going to completely change? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that this part's job has been all about constricting her voice, well then it's completely, completely understandable that as soon as it comes time for Caitlin to allow this part of her to speak, that it's gonna stop that. It's just doing its job. And so my job is to just help it feel safe. Luckily though, after some conversation, her hands came down. I then invite Concrete Wall to speak and it agrees to speak with me. Caitlin is awake and aware through the whole conversation. I'm just hanging out. Just stand, just stay put. Mm. How long have you been there? Been there a long time? You keep growing. So what is it that causes you to grow? This feels like I keep getting added onto. It gets, I get taller, I get thicker. Do you like getting taller and thicker? Sometimes. I like being big and powerful. Is it that someone else or something else is adding onto you? Or are you the one who's choosing to be bigger and stronger? A bit of both. Ah. It's like someone builds onto me, but then when I notice that there's something wrong, I, I grow. Oh, yeah. Are you, like, keeping something out? Are you keeping something in? Like, what is your job? Both. I'm keeping out the light. So why are you keeping out the light? Because it's fun. Because I like messing with it. It's like having that power. Like, I, I'm controlling it. Oh, I see. Do you remember when, like, the first stone was put in place? Concrete wall? Definitely that, that first memory of, I'm leaving me. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, so Concrete Wall, are you talking about when um, that Caitlin shared when she was screaming and crying because her mommy left with her brother? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that must have been hard for you to see her so upset like that. And so much pain. It was. Yeah, how did that feel to see her crying and being so sad and scared? It was like I had to protect her. Ah, yeah. It's like if I could be built and if I could be strong enough and tall enough, then she wouldn't she wouldn't get that. Mm, yeah. So has it worked? You know, building that wall, you know, does it protect her from pain? Sometimes I feel like she uses me. I'm I was there to serve a purpose. I'm still there to serve a purpose. I'm still there to control and and people see me and they see that I'm big and impressive and powerful and strong and I don't let anything in. That's a sense of pride for me. But she uses that. And because I don't let it, I don't have a door, I'm just impenetrable. She, she uses that. Are you saying she like uses it as kind of an identity, like so that she comes across as big and strong and powerful? Or she uses that to protect herself, or she uses that to pretend like nothing bothers her? What do you mean? What ways does she use that? It's all three. Ah. Just because I have multiple sides to me. Ah. Do you like that she uses that? And that she uses you in that way? I think it's kind of fun to be used. Hmm. How because then it... I serve a purpose. Oh, because then you serve a purpose, yeah. So when a wall shows up in a session, it's usually what I call an inner defender. It's walling something out. It's trying to protect the person or the child on the other side of that wall. And to help that person feel stronger and more empowered, and especially to appear that way, and to protect that person from those vulnerable or so-called weak feelings. And so Concrete Wall is doing that to some extent here, but Concrete Wall has also been constricting her and preventing her from accessing her truth and the light. And so in a way, Concrete Wall is actually acting kind of like a controller as well. And a controller is a part of us that does exactly what I named it, which is to control. It's trying to control us or a part of us. This Concrete Wall is actually doing, it's kind of multitasking here. It's both keeping things out and giving her the sense and the persona of being very strong and powerful and impervious and impenetrable, while at the same time holding her in. Nevertheless, whatever job or jobs this concrete wall is doing, my job is to help it realize that it doesn't have to keep doing that job anymore, that actually it's no longer helping but hurting the person. So in this next section, you'll hear me ask a few questions just to kind of, you know, test to see like how committed is concrete wall to doing its job and maybe it's tired. We'll see what happens. Does it ever get tiring, Concrete Wall, to be standing there being strong all the time? Sometimes I have cracks. Mm. 
sometimes bits of me get chipped away and it's tiring. Mm. And sometimes I just feel like it would be good to open up a bit, but I need to continue to grow stronger. I don't like seeing cracks in me. I like showing that. Mm. Yeah, because I like being perfect. Ah, yeah. What what sometimes causes the cracks? Things are thrown at me on purpose. When big rocks get thrown at me, when things are drilled into me. Mm. And then how does that feel for you? It hurts and then I self-heal and I grow stronger so that the next thing that tries to create a crack can't get in. Mm. I'm curious, you know, how, how do you want her to feel? I want her to still feel the pain. But at the same time, I don't. Mm. It's like I have two sides. And I want both. Yeah, it's kind of sick, isn't it? I don't know. I feel like there might be reasons for that. Like, how do you think it would serve her if she did feel the pain? Like, why, why, do, why would you want her to feel the pain? Maybe there's a reason. Because then it keeps her going. Then she can use it. So you've seen how the pain has, in a way, served her. As much as you've been trying to protect her from feeling it, you're also seeing how she's been able to use it to fuel her success and to make a difference, correct? Yeah. I also see it the way that she kind of uses it to be able to connect with others then. It's kind of like I'm attracted to other walls. Why do you think concrete wall, why do you think you're attracted to other walls? The feeling of more strength and more chaos it's like the more I meet them like I become a maze it's like I join a maze so yeah so I hear that on the one hand you want her to feel the pain because you feel like it can fuel her and it's how she does great things and it's how she meets other amazing people and I also hear, though, that you don't want her to feel the pain. So what are some of the reasons why you don't want her to feel the pain? I can see how, how tiring it is for her. Mm. Yeah. And just how lonely it is. Because mm. I know it's cold. Because there's no light on that side. Because oh, I keep right. it out. So it's like you're working so hard to protect her, but at the same time, it's actually, what I'm hearing at least, is it you know prevents her from feeling the connection that she desires with others, a certain kind of connection. Is that accurate? It's definitely accurate. And we all need some sunlight, don't we? I think some people can live without sunlight. Oh. Do you think Caitlin can live without sunlight? I mean, she's lived with it, without it for so long. Mm. She can. Do you want her to live without sunlight? Even though you say, you know, you're just used to it. Do you actually want her to? Or do you think 
and you see that there's any possible benefit to her for having some sunlight in her life. I think if she had it, it she'd be happier. Oh, yeah. But all I know how to do is grow. Ah, uh, yeah. What are you afraid would happen if you weren't here? That there would be nothing protecting her from being hurt and that something else will have to grow in my place. Is there something you're afraid would happen if she were to have more light in her life? It's what if she doesn't use it properly. Oh, interesting. Explain. Have you seen her use light improperly before? I've seen her have glimpses of it and she does use it, but then she wastes it and she lets it go. And she goes back into the darkness because that's where she feels more comfortable. Oh. A couple of years ago, it was with her, her, her business and with her activism because she could have done so much more, but she listened to others. She, instead of following what she wanted, she or saying what she wanted, she was silenced and she let it all go. I think she's really influenced by others she never wants to let anyone down and she just wants to please them so she can make the wrong mistakes and follow the wrong people and then she gives up her own self so then it's easier to just block it all out in her gut she knows what to do but then She's so influenced by others' perceptions of herself that she ignores that. So it's much easier to just cut out all the noise, to keep it all out. You know what? That's so interesting, Concrete Wall, and what I'm hearing in what you're, in what you're saying is you want her to listen to herself more. You want her to trust her intuition, her instincts, her truth more. Is that accurate? Yeah, because then when she does that, then I can calm down. Oh, yeah, right. So it's like if she could trust her own strength and her own truth and her own wisdom and make decisions according to her own truth and what she knows in her gut is right for her, you're feeling that like, yeah, you could relax because you're like, yes, you're trusting yourself. You're listening to yourself. And I don't feel like I have to work so hard to protect you. Yeah, that's, that's it. But she doesn't know how to do that. But she didn't know how to do that. Okay. So do you hear the contradictions inherent in what Concrete Wall is doing versus what it says it wants for Caitlin? It's been keeping out the light. It's been keeping her disconnected from her truth. But then meanwhile, it says, well, I want her to believe in herself and trust herself and do what's right for her. This is extremely common among these inner parts. Basically what their actions are 
contradict their actual intentions. And the reason for that is because they form initially to try to protect us or themselves. So their focus is on protecting us, but because they're so focused on protecting us, they don't realize how they're actually having the opposite effect on us. If you have inner walls, and we all do, consider how those walls might be protecting you from hurt, but also preventing you from connection. So my job at this point is to gently point out this contradiction, that while it sees itself as enabling her to feel a sense of connection with others, it's also the part of her that's causing her to wall herself off and disconnect from others that maybe it's no longer helping her, but hurting her. But notice as I start to point out the contradiction inherent in what Concrete Wall is doing, we end up revealing the deeper purpose that it feels that it's serving. Is there some reason why she doesn't trust herself? I think everything, what I've seen, everything in her life is just made her doubt it and just silenced it. So are you in some ways preventing her from actually trusting her truth? I think I am. I'm scared of her losing her battle. Oh, what's the battle? Her life. I've been growing stronger because it's a way that I can keep her here. When you say here, where is here? What do you mean? In life. In life. Because I hear her sometimes. I hear her jokes, but they're not jokes. How much easier it would be if she just went through and ended it as a teenager, how much easier it would have been if the people who hurt her actually succeeded, how much easier it would be to check out right now. Tell me, how does it feel when you hear her make those jokes? How does it feel for you? It's sad because I know she's not joking. Oh, yeah. So you're afraid that she could be in danger of ending things or something if you weren't doing what you're doing. Manipulating the light, protecting her from pain, etc. Yep. Keep her from ending it all. So if you listened to the session with Dora, you'll hear something very similar in terms of what that part of her was trying to do for her and what Concrete Wall is trying to do for Caitlin. It's amazing the sense of purpose and the stakes that these parts of us have that they carry in helping us survive. Interestingly, Dora's was an inner controller. Concrete Wall, as I said, is sort of a defender controller, but they nevertheless, in different ways, are trying to serve the same purpose. Well, is there anything else you'd like to share, Concrete Wall? I think I'm going to talk to Caitlin again. 
I wish I could tell her that. I, I know it's been really hard. And I know that it's really easy to just keep it all out. And I know that I wish I could show her the other side because it is beautiful that she has everything and that she she needs to have that belief and confidence that she once had and that drive that she once had that she doesn't have anymore. And when when she can live with that and she can and she is driven by that fire that has been almost extinguished, then I will be confident enough to to come down a bit. And then she just has to keep proving it. And the more she proves it, the more stronger she gets, the weaker I'll become. Now that I'm done talking to Concrete Wall, it's time to talk to Caitlin again. So what, what about that conversation stood out for you? Anything in particular? Any new information? Any ahas? Any shifts, surprising things, like what? I, th- I think the surprising thing would be just the fact that, like, how easy it would be for me to to just end my life. Like, that That was kind of surprising. Like, as, like, like I know that I've been joking about it, mm. but just the fact that that feeling is actually real. Mm. And I like, and again, like I didn't, like I thought I was much healthier than I actually made myself believe that I am. I I don't even feel like I would act on it. Sometimes Mm -hmm. those thoughts are there, but it's like, I don't, it's it's not, I didn't think it was that bad. Mm -hmm. I didn't think it was that dark. But I also find it funny how, like, it was like, well, I'm attracted to other walls like me. Like, I knew, like, my closest friends are uh, broken, Mm. like, in some way. But they are also the strongest people that I know. Yeah, and I think, like, like, I'm looking back at it and I'm like, yeah, all of the closest people in my life through my whole life were those who I would then like I would see that brokenness mm-hmm. and then I would just be like attached to it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then I'm I know that just also like made me kind of scared mm-hmm. because then it's like well what if theirs goes away and mine doesn't mm-hmm. then that connection is broken so then it's, again, it's like that deep desire for connection with others. And then if I don't have that wall, if I don't have that maze and that attachment, then what is left? Oh, yeah. What does it look like now? The wall, the concrete wall. It's like I'm drawing it right now. Okay. And it's definitely like less thick than it was. So it has, it has come down a bit. Okay. But it's still there. It's still there. Okay. Does it feel to you like it's been trying to serve a purpose for you? Like Overall, I think it has served a purpose. It thinks it continues to serve a purpose. 
Um, but at the same time, it feels like, well, it doesn't have to keep growing, like, right? Like, does it have to, like, keep getting bigger? Yeah. Because what happens as it keeps growing bigger? How does that affect you? It makes me feel suffocated. Oh. Uh-huh. I think that's where, like, at the beginning of the session, it was like, well, I was feeling suffocated. Like, mm-hmm. in, mul- in multiple layers. And I'm actually now thinking that, like, the hands around my throat and suffocation is probably this concrete wall just getting bigger so it's not hands but it's actually a wall oh wow yeah it's interesting isn't it that at the beginning of our session the image that came to Caitlin's mind was these multiple layers of hands suffocating her and choking her but it turns out that actually what was fueling that sense of suffocation was this concrete wall inside of her straitjacketing her and making her feel so constricted. So now that we have a sense of why this wall has been there, it's time to guide Caitlin to thank it for what it's been trying to do for her. And I gotta be honest, its response is, I don't think I've ever gotten this response before. It's kind of interesting, even a little defensive. I didn't really respond, but the word that just popped into my mind again was selfish. Mm. It's like, well, you're selfish to feel that because I'm trying to keep you safe. Even though Concrete Wall has reacted a little bit funny to being thanked, I go ahead and decide to take it through the next step, which lets it know that it's okay. It no longer needs to feel, think, or behave the way it has been. It's okay to let it go. Concrete Wall's response to this is quite different than the previous response. Yeah, I appreciate hearing that. Okay. Does it look any different or feel any different to you? It's, it's changed. Okay. It's actually no longer concrete. Oh. Okay. It's now transparent. Wow. So I've just had an opportunity to draw it again. Mm -hmm. And because it's transparent, it has light rays going through it. And the light rays are disrupting the darkness. And it's that like inner flame or something, that inner truth or something. It's bigger. Yes, 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 yes. Still, the the sun is probably the biggest that it's been out of all three drawings. And for the first time, I can see the green grass and the blue skies. I still can't reach it though, but it's there. I can see it. I drew it for the first time. Yeah, good, good. And I'm feeling called to ask, is there something else that you get the sense that it needs in order for it to dissolve? I feel like it's telling me I need to name my truth. (gasps) I need to name it. I need to know it completely and be confident in it to be able to say it out loud 
So when it says, you know, Caitlin, I think you need to state your truth. What comes up for you? What is your truth? What is my truth? The first word, <laughs> and this is this wasn't identified by me, but it's popping into my mind because mm -hmm. I'm identified by to the people closest me is mm -hmm. fierce. Oof. Caregiver. Protector. Creative. But I feel like they're words to describe my truth, but they're not my truth, if you know what I mean. See how this resonates for you. Mm. Is if you were to draw like an image or a symbol that it's like, yeah, that's my truth. And you might not even have to put it into words. Like whether it's uh, that. I've got the image. Right. Okay, there we go. All I right. got it. There we go. The, the first thing I pictured was a frame. And okay. Embers, then touching and connecting to other people. So then I drew other people and then I, and then I drew and I see their flames and then their embers again then reached out to other people. So it was kind of like, it's something I've always said. It's something I've always said that, that I want to do, but I feel like I, I haven't done it lately. It's how I want to use whatever I have to connect others so that they can then extend their light and their gifts and they can make a better difference. And then the picture of the world popped up and then I put that behind all the people. And then Michael Jackson's Heal the World lyrics popped into my head <gasps> and I had to write it down. And it said, Heal the world, make it a better place for you and for me and the entire human race. There are people dying and if you care enough for the living, make it a better place for you and for me. My truth is to radiate light and healing and connection. Yes. Now that Caitlin has finally declared her truth, let's see what's going on with Wall. Has Wall changed at all? And I want to check in with the wall, the concrete wall, or sorry, not concrete, glass, transparent. Is it still there? What's it doing if it's there or what's happened to it? Not there anymore. Take your time, sweetie. This is all <laughs> wonderful. These are good tears. Yeah, the tears are flying because it's not there anymore. Wow. I didn't realize how bad that was. Sorry, 
sorry. No, these are, I'm so happy for you, sweetie. These are wonderful healing tears. This is opening up even more space for your incredible light. <sighs> Oof. Oh, that was like an emotional release. <laughs> oh. Sounds like you're feeling better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling better than I have in a very, very long time. And I, and I'm just reading, I'm reading what I wrote again about my truth, and it just feels so right. Oh. And I feel like it's giving me direction. Yes, yes, yes. That is actually your truth's job, is to provide mm. you with clarity and direction in your life. So now, now that there's been this wonderful release, now that the wall is gone, now that there's clarity and the sunlight is shining through, you're able to feel its radiance, its wisdom, its guidance more clearly than ever. Wow, thank you, my friend. <laughs> you're so welcome, sweetheart. You're amazing. And I just feel so blessed to get to do this with you. In the months since our session, Caitlin has been on a slew of adventures, especially reconnecting with her family and learning more about herself and how she is carrying forward her ancestors' legacy of service to others. She's had a lot of epiphanies about things she needs to change in order to live a fully authentic life, one that truly honors her and her own truth. Here are a few of the things she said in a couple of voice messages she sent me. How I see myself is the only thing that matters. If I know that I am leading a good life, if I'm staying true to myself, if I am living my truth, I'm going to start having more tough conversations because this avoidance, this people-pleasing thing that I've done is actually not great. It's not showing or sharing empathy. It's still hurting me. That's not living an authentic life. And so I feel like the best way to honor myself is to live a pure and authentic life. I'm, I'm on the verge. I know it, I can feel it. I am so on the verge of something really big. I'm really excited for the possibilities of what this next phase is going to look like. I pray that Caitlin's journey of rediscovering her truth inspires you to rediscover yours. You may think you don't have one, but I promise you do. Your truth is your inner knowing of who you are and who you are here to be. And when you live your truth, you light up. And when you light up, you light up the world. So whatever it takes, do the inner work to reconnect with your truth. Together, we can heal the world and make it a better place. I'm sending you my love.
You can see the drawings from this session at darklighttruth.com. If you enjoy Dark Light Truth, please give us a review and share about us on social media. We would love this support and it helps us have a bigger impact. If you want to learn how to draw out your own inner struggles, take our free 45-minute course at community.changelight.world. If you're interested in private sessions of the drawing out process with me, go to changelight.world forward slash coaching. If you'd like to receive training in the drawing out process, please contact me directly at emily at changelight.world. The drawing out process is not therapy, and I am not a licensed therapist. I developed this work myself, and I am its exclusive owner and guide. Whether you are a seeker or a practitioner, please respect that this is my proprietary work, and it must be properly led in order for it to be fully effective. Do not try to do this process on your own. Thanks. Like it's kind of like an out of body experience, right? Uh-huh, it's like uh-huh. you're, it's like, it's like you're watching it or like you're hearing it, and yeah. you're just like, whoa, like where is this coming from? But like, yeah, and you're just like, oh, okay, this is, <laughs> yep, yep, cool, yep, all right, got it. <laughs> well, that just came out of my mouth. Okay, yep. <laughs> I'm just gonna go with it. <laughs> See where this yep, goes. Yeah, and I'm just like, can I like get back in already and control the conversation? But like, you can't. Uh... And it's just like, what? <laughs>